Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. So, okay, I want us to cover, you guys have brought up kids. And so we're going to cover a little bit about um, how kids handle the tension before you go. And then we're going to be a little bit more specific if we can be on like, what are we going to do with the tension, Mm -hmm. which I think is going to be really helpful for us to kind of talk that out and go, how are we going to handle this tension so that we've already had a couple Mm -hmm. of those little arguments that happen just because there's too much pressure and tension going on that somebody just finally Mm -hmm. just kind of snaps it's like, it's too much. So um, hopefully we can avoid as many of those as possible, but we're going to talk through what we can do before he actually has to go. Um, and then we're going to turn to the questions that you guys have turned in. And So kids, kids. the first thing I want to bring up, first two things, and you, I'm going to bring up regression and oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> stages. So unless yeah. you want to talk developmental no, stages, no. like abstract and, and concrete, Sure. where they're at. So why don't you think about what you want to do when you talk about kids with abstract and concrete and I'll just talk regression as okay. well as framing. Okay. All right. So, so many big words there. There you go. All right. So I'm letting you let, letting the wheels turn. Um, fully expect children to regress uh, at some point during uh, pre de- or pre-departure yeah. phase. Um, really attachment that beginning any big life event that kids are going to go through we fully expect there to be regression and whether that is something like bedwetting whether that's um you know refusing to eat a food that they at one point in time absolutely loved um whether that is you know becoming afraid or not wanting to sleep by themselves mm-hmm. um of something where you're like well, hey how, how are you've been fearless for how many years why are you now becoming afraid um in allowing that to happen and to encourage them, which is, I'll bring up framing in a minute and how you can use framing to help help the a child understand their world a little bit better. But in that regression phase, what I what we see often is they're trying to regain control over a world that they recognize that they acknowledge they don't have control over, mm-hmm. and so they begin to act out just like adults do. Um, but adults, we tend to put a neat phrase on it, even though we start to act like kids at sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So when they are regressing, it's not becoming frustrated. It's allowing yourself to, as a parent to be patient, take a step back with them and then join them where they were at and then move forward patiently. Re-parent yeah. Reparent them right through that. And so you get an opportunity through that reparenting to fix mistakes you probably made uh, early on, um, but to allow them to experience what they experience without shame or without expectation. Um, I know something that worked for our youngest son, who's always had control issues and a wonderful kid, was to not say, hey, this is what you're going to have, but to give him options. And whether it was three things that we knew were going to be options, um, within reason and to allow them to choose that one option gives them that opportunity to go, okay, all right. Within this, within this scope of options or, you know, variety, I can make this choice and therefore I have a little bit of control over my world. And so that's, um, kind of helping framing now framing is that opportunity. I want to point out. So if you, if you've seen Corey's, uh, picture that she's a bit of a Wonder Woman fan, right? And um so there are there are typical uh colors that go along with Wonder Woman ness, right? And blue and red are definitely some of those. Okay. So we've got the the autograph pictures of Gal Gadot and then Linda Carter. You're welcome. Uh that was my gift to her when I uh pinned on major. <laughs> but then I got this other one that I found that was offered online. It's this daily planet picture. And um when we went to go get it framed 
uh, we had to pick out the right frame and the right border to go around the picture mm-hmm. because we wanted to accentuate the picture. So when you actually go and pick out a good frame for a picture, what you're wanting to do is draw the best out of that photo or that drawing. What do you want to draw people's eye towards? So it's not just a matter of the frame holds the picture. It's a matter of what does it accentuate within the picture that makes it that much better? You know, what do you love about that picture that you're trying to make other people love and acknowledge as well? When we're having a difficult time, oftentimes it's a matter of framing. We have framed things in the right way. So if you're framing it, it's, this is pre-departure and we've got to be away and it's got to be separated. It's just going to be awful and we're not going to have a good time and we're just going to get through it. We're just going to put a pause on our family and we're just, we're not going to be our, you know, you've already framed this for what you're, for, uh, for bad outcomes because you're, you're not looking at it in, in a right light. And this isn't to say that you can't be real and honest with your feelings uh, because I would never want to uh, invalidate what this real experience is that we are going to miss one another. We are going to miss, I am going to miss the kids. I'm going to miss, you know, being able to do all the things around the house that I love to do, fold the laundry. I'm so afraid of what's going to happen to the laundry while the laundry I'm gone. will get done. Um, I it, promise. Get done, but by who? And in what manner? I mean, oh, I mean, what's the folding going to look like? Where's <laughs> it going to go? You won't have to worry about that. I, I'm pretty sure that's why we put a couch in our bedroom. So we'll just hold laundry for however long. You guys. So <laughs> framing. Framing. Framing when laundry. With kids. Yeah. <laughs> Their story is their story. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to have to grow up. I look back on my story and my mom framed my story real well. Um, I had a hip disease. I had to get a, I had to wear braces, had to have total hip reconstruction. But my mother said, she didn't say I was handicapped. She said I was handy capable. It wasn't until high school that I didn't realize, oh, that's not a word. (laughs) But she framed it for me. Mm-hmm. And because she framed it that way, I didn't think that there were things that held me back. I just learned it in a different way. When I go to help the boys and frame things, sometimes it's like, hey, this is this is my job and this is what I get to do. And I invite them along to understand what it is that I do, who I serve and the reason that I serve. And that's everything from the people that are sitting in front of me to the financial benefits and the security of being in the military mm-hmm. and to be able to say this is what it provides you mm-hmm. and to be able to paint a picture <clears throat> of the future without vision, people perish. And framing helps to provide vision and context for the difficult things that we will all go through, whether it's a departure, whether it's a loss in a family, uh, whether it's a move, you've got to frame things very well. Well, and Marcy, I see your question about teenagers. And so I'm going to address that too. And so I just want to say you can, you can do this framing with regardless of what age, I mean, obviously pre-verbal is, is a little bit more challenging, Mm -hmm. but I know our first deployment, our kids were like, three and five or two and five, something like that. The two-year-old, you know, I'm going to frame a little bit less. Right. But the five-year-old we brought, we, we decided to, you went to Afghanistan at the time and we found an orphanage in Afghanistan. And then we made it as a family that he was going to go serve in Afghanistan and was going to on some level be helping the people in Afghanistan. And we could too. And so we joined in on a mission together that we could do something together. And that framed Mm -hmm. a little bit of something that he was getting to do something Thing over there, like he, like daddy was, mm-hmm. right? And so, as teenagers, when you're framing things, it is a little bit more into the details of this is what I do, and this is why I have to go, and mm-hmm. this is the strategy, military wise, of why we have to go and do what we need to do, or the training that we have to go and do, and why. Um, those of you who are geobatching, um, I've been against geobatching for a very long time, unless it's a crisis. And even recently, our kids have moved so much. We have even talked about it. Would we ever come to a point where geobatching would be an option for us because of needing to take care of the kids in a certain way? And so I understand that these, these are all very difficult and challenging decisions and things that we have to go through. But when you're framing it for your family, when you can explain on an appropriate age level, this is not only 
why we do what we do, but this is how we are staying connected as a family and how we can join in on doing this as a family, as a mission together. And so to answer your question, Marcy, when it comes to um, regression for teenagers, I will say it depends on their personality. Like all, you you start to really Mm -hmm. see the personality characteristics come out in teenagers, but I will say their, I would say their emotional and social Mm -hmm. expression will regress a little bit. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll see kids, their grades go down a little bit just because their mind is elsewhere. Um, they might be a little bit more stressed than usual, or, you know, they're just mad and they just don't want to do their homework because we're going through something difficult and it's Uh hard to focus. Um, I can say you could also see emotionally how they handle stress. So you might be getting them a lot more irritability. I know I feel a lot more irritable. The boys are boys we're not seeing it quite so much yet. I'm anticipating for our teenage boys to see it a little bit more on the other side when it gets real. And the reason for that is that the frontal cortex of your brain is not developed until 26 years old. Okay. So let me tell you what the frontal cortex does. That part of your brain that's in the front of your, your, your brain is responsible for forward thinking and future planning. Okay. It's the reason why when kids are stressed out, they think it's the end of the world today, right? Or they can't imagine um, how they're going to get through this test and it feels like it's never ending. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they don't have really the ability to think into next week, sometimes even into the next day. Like if you've ever seen your kids, they're just melting down. And what you know is that they just need a nap. Mm-hmm. Or what they need is a good night's sleep, or they need a really good meal because they haven't eaten well all day, right? And you know, if they can just get that good night's sleep tomorrow, they're going to feel mm-hmm. better. They don't have the ability to think into tomorrow and imagine what tomorrow is going to feel like and see themselves feeling mm-hmm. better. So when there's that separation that's about to start, um, I can I can pretty much say that kids and teenagers they can't imagine like that loss that they're Mm going to feel. They can't imagine what it's going to be like for you to be Mm -hmm. gone until they get there and they go, Oh, this really sucks. Yeah. But they also cue off us as adults. So whatever it is that we're going through, however we're responding to it, they're also taking their cue from us. They're, they're having to react to our reaction (laughs) as well as they're having to decide what is safe for them to be able to say or how they Mm -hmm. should act. So going back to the framing, just because we're trying to frame things well, doesn't mean we're trying not trying to be honest with what we're experiencing or what we're dealing with. Yeah. And so this gives an opportunity, it provides an opportunity for you to process your feelings in a healthy way yeah. with both the boys. And that gives them the permission to then process their feelings. And rather than everybody kind of go into their neutral corners and figuring yeah. out how are we going to survive this, they can all kind of come together and go, okay, I, I understand, I see from an adult perspective, a healthy way to process this and feel about it yeah. to be able to tell a kid, Hey, look today, today you can be small today. You can go up to your room and you can, you know, listen have to your music, feels. have all the feels. And that's totally cool. I'm not going to expect you to be great every day. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in some point, maybe in a couple of days, we're going to have to kind of swoop out of that. And then we're going to go do X, Y, and Z. And then also giving them the, the power and the permission to make decisions for themselves that are good for them um, with that are healthy. Okay. Um, So they're able to, um, it's a lot more negotiation that happens with, uh, with teenagers than does with, with other kids because teenagers are actually, they can understand abstract things and they can be, they, even though they don't have forethought, they can also catastrophize really easily. And so they need to be able to bring those catastrophic thoughts up, um, within the family environment to go, okay, well, I've thought those things too. And when I think those things, here's how I counteract them. Here's, here's what I have to do in order to process them rather than to go, no, 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 no. We push the catastrophic thoughts down. We don't think about that. You know, if it becomes a safe place for their internal world to be able to work itself out externally, healthily, 
then we can actually begin to grow together and people feel seen and feeling seen is very powerful. So um, here, here's a couple of tips of, so just some things that we are going to be doing. I love the fact that you guys are sharing your own stories and what you guys are doing. I love the fact that I think it was Marcy up there that was talking about um, that. She ran her first half marathon mm-hmm. and um, finished grad school during a deployment. Um, and that you guys are sharing some of your goals and what's working mm-hmm. for you. So keep that coming through because that's what this tribe is about is learning from each other. Mm-hmm. So here's a couple things that, um, and we're not saying that we're perfect and doing it all right. That's why we love the fact that you guys are sharing what you guys are doing and what you've learned too. But a couple of things that um, we are doing, number one, I drive the boys to school in the morning. Um, and every now and then I'll say, Hey, how are you doing with the fact that dad's leaving? Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Right. And if they're like, haven't thought about it much, then I don't press the, mm-hmm. the press the topic. But if they're like, Oh, you know, it's kind of hard then I give them that room to talk about it. I think we'll also have some dinner table discussions where we talk through, like I loved one time someone shared with me every Thursday night was gripe night while they were apart, especially. (laughs) And that's really good to start beforehand too. Um, Will and Jada Smith do, um, they actually call it circle of trust, Uh uh, where they say like, okay, we're going to establish the circle of trust right now. So anything that you say, you cannot get in trouble for Mm -hmm. right now. And we've done that a couple of times with our kids that it's actually been really effective and kind of scary as a parent to like, what are you going to say here? But like being able to have these um, set aside moments in time where you don't have to be on your best behavior and that you can just have whatever feelings you're going to have. And so I loved that that one family shared that tip that really Mm -hmm. worked for me and the boys when Matt was gone one time to be able to go, let's on Thursday night, just have the permission to be negative Mm -hmm. and just get it out for one night. But the other nights we still can talk about it, but we're going to be a little bit more proactive and pull ourselves out of it. And what can we do? Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that was really great Mm -hmm. that I noticed that you did yesterday, day. Um, we have a teenage son. And so you've started working out with him and Mm -hmm. I could hear him working out with our son and casting vision for the deployment. So he was, he was in there going, here's, let's talk about what your goals are going to be for the deployment and how you can better yourself, you know, and that you could still check in with him while he's gone to do that. I know that that's going to fall on me to be able to hold him accountable. And what's your goal? And, but there's that dad element, you know, Mm -hmm. that's really helpful. And so he's basically saying, I can start that with you now and we Mm -hmm. can still touch base with it as we go. I told him he's holding you accountable too. Oh, for sure. So that's a two-way street there. Yeah. I love that he can be, um, that I can have the goals and that my kids can now be old enough to hold me accountable, even when it comes to my attitude, mm-hmm. right? Because there's going to be days when I'm going to be feeling irritable and my ability to let the kids go, Hey mom, like, you know what, you seem like you're a little bit off. You seem irritable and short, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's not something I need to be defensive at. It's a cue for me to go. Oh. How can I do a check on myself? So being protective, can we move to that? Yes. Being protective. So you don't sabotage this time. Um, one thing that I have uh, messed up on recently, at least twice, was um, using the deployment as a weapon. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. did that. Um, didn't go well. But uh, we had a we had an occasion where I was doing my best to parent, really trying <laughs> to control um, a situation with uh, my younger son and uh, managing my anger and my frustration. Um, Corey, in her loving way, came by to um, intervene, uh, intervene, quell the situation before it got extreme. And um, I took that and my shame message at that point became, I'm a horrible parent. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a bad dad. She doesn't think I'm going to be able to handle this. She thinks I'm going to blow up. She thinks I'm, you know, all those wonderful shame messages that make your life that much more complicated. Uh, And then at some point in the hour following, as we're having a very long, wonderful argument, um, <laughs> use the deployment as a, well, you know, I guess you're, uh, I guess you're already ready to parent by yourself, you know? Um, yeah. And it wasn't good. Um, so I'd let's advise- be honest. I did not handle that. Moment oh well yeah, either. yeah. It was a bad moment for both of us. Yeah. So we both uh, had to come to it and go, okay, look, um, this is not, something either one of us is choosing. Um, and yet at the same time, we're going to use it to become better. And uh, we're going to use it to pour into our communities and to invest in the things that we know we've been called to do, which is one of the things. It's like what we're doing tonight, uh, fulfilling that calling. And um, there's our little cat. 
she's just so unhappy. Um, so don't use the, the deployment. Don't try and create the detachment already. It's yeah. really easy. Don't use anger as a means to separate. As um, if that's going to make it easier. Right. Because just not liking another person. I mean, let's acknowledge when you love another person, you want to be near them and it's already going to be heartbreaking to leave, but you can't just try and create anger and dissension uh, with your spouse, your partner, um, in order to make them to try and make this easier. It's not going to be easier. In fact, you're only going to make the situation that much more complicated. Yeah. And you know, guys, it's going to happen sometimes, right? Like, and even if that does happen, I think what's even harder is being the bigger person that comes back and goes, that was wrong. You know, like he came back and said that was wrong. I had to own up the fact that my reaction to him saying that was not pretty and was wrong as well. And so I think that in a relationship, even with your kids, especially when you find yourself in that irritable spot, it's how you course correct. Right. right. You know, so yes, do the best you can to be as protective as possible. And that's what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to like, we're trying to just rip the bandaid earlier mm-hmm. and there's just no way to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, because then we're losing time that we could actually stay connected, mm-hmm. but it is very normal to have those big arguments um, before, before you go. Um, okay. Some of you guys are giving some great advice, especially for when you have kids, there's lots of ways where you can record, um, your spouse can record reading mm-hmm. books. I believe USO has a way to do that. United through reading has a way oh, to do absolutely. that. Well, USO, you can record, yes. um, you reading those books, especially for those of you who are not going to have connection at all, mm-hmm. um, or not have that technology at all to be able to record that voice mm-hmm. and that, um, repetition is very powerful. Um, so I just want to say there's a difference between a woman's voice and a male's voice, just in pitch and mm-hmm. in tone. And so regardless of whoever is leaving the house, that voice and that pitch and tone is going to be missing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so your kids need to hear both sides. And I know some of you guys don't have kids. And so our series is not going to be only about parenting right. and kids, but I do want to just encourage, since we're kind of finishing up the topic of kids and that tension mm-hmm. on things that you can do going forward, it's very important to continue the, um, bringing that voice and pitch into your child's life. Okay. So having those recordings are very, very powerful. Um, one of the other things that I did early on, um, was I invited with Matt's permission, safe male mentors Mm -hmm. into the boy's life. Right. So, because there's only so much of yelling and screaming and Mm -hmm. like talking that my kids could would almost get tired of hearing my voice. Mm -hmm. And there was, um, there was like some men, in the church that had like, whether it's boy scouts or whether it's, um, there was something to the church like that, or if it's with girls and it's mom that's leaving, right. It's just having those safe people that can step in, um, at times appropriately to bring that other voice in, Mm -hmm. but those recordings are ideal. Those are the best where it's kind of a, Mm -hmm. a shared experience where they're hearing both sides, both parents. Um, and that there's, especially as the kids get older, that it's still okay to have two different kind of parenting styles as mm-hmm. long as you guys are agreeing on the basics of what we're doing as parents mm-hmm. and the vision for your parenting, right? So it's okay that you're talking to the kids in a different way than I'm talking to mm-hmm. the kids and they need to hear both of those sides. Yeah, and I think some uh, the reading program that is being mentioned here, it's phenomenal. I had I took advantage of it and I had several soldiers take advantage of it while we were gone. Um I think we also get a, a bit addicted to um, quick, uh, quick communication, you know, yeah. almost immediate responses with texts, with, with emails. And so um, becoming okay with delayed communication, mm-hmm. uh, which can allow us to be that much more protective mm-hmm. over um, uh, our relationship and what we're discussing and what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is easier for introverts than it is for extroverts. Extroverts really thrive on that quick communication, that back and forth, that banter and getting feedback on what was shared or what was said, but allowing that time to uh, whether it's sending mail uh, in places where you don't mm-hmm. have good reception. Uh, if you're out on a ship or you're in a, an austere location where you can't have that immediacy, um, the thing we love about relationships is we share life together. 
And mm-hmm. for me to be able to understand and watch her live her life and experience it through her eyes is meaningful to me. Um, I would still get that even if I just read, you know, daily journals or daily diaries of how she was experiencing life. Mm-hmm. And I may not get it immediately. Mm-hmm. I may not be receiving that information real time, but over time I can see how she evolves. So one good way is to actually keep daily journals or diaries of what you're experiencing from from a kind of a selfish perspective, I look back on some of my deployment experiences and really wish I'd have known what I did or said about some historic moments. Other people could track of it, but I didn't. And I'd love to be able to look back and go, oh, this is what I thought, said, or did in that moment. But also I would love to be able to share that with her and also with the boys. I have to be thinking not today, not this week. I've got to be thinking 10, 15, 20 years from now, what do I want for my boys to have as I begin to leave that legacy for them when I'm gone of, okay, this is what dad experienced and this is what dad did. And this is how he felt. And this is what, um, so the power of writing. Yes. Like some of, if you're going to have it on digits and that's totally fine, just make sure it's in a safe place where you don't lose it all. Right. But the power of like Mm -hmm. writing, coming back to writing. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things I would love for us to do during the deployment is get back to writing. Oh, I am going to get a quill pen. A quill pen. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a (laughs) candle and a quill pen. I'm going to have a little inkwell and uh, first few letters are going to be sloppy. (laughs) Where I'm just going to be honest, it's going to be all over the place. Then I'll get one of the little seals with it, like the king. The wax seal. I'm going to see if I can get somebody on a horse that drops it off. That just is like, oh, horsey. You know, I'm going back old school. Sense of humor. They're going to wear tights. It's going to be. I'm going to hurt you from a distance if you send somebody to our house to deliver mail. No, it's going to be it's going to be a singing telegram, but it's going to be the loot. You know what that is? Yes. Google that. I should Google that sometime. It's a real thing. Oh, I'm so thankful for a sense of humor. Yeah. He, he brings that to our world. And you know what? I'm going to miss that. Uh, I am going to miss that a lot. Like right. you're going to have to put it in your letters. Gray day. Everything is gray. <laughs> that was a Dr. Seuss book. It's really good, by the way. Yeah. Um, for your kids. Oh, yes. My many colored, colored days. days by Dr. Seuss is fantastic for teaching your kids yeah. all those feelings. And sometimes like toddlers can only say, you know, I'm feeling gray today. Yeah. or I'm feeling orange today. It can be really good. Um, one other note on this, by the way, I, I know that some of you guys, um, are concerned and some of the tension is about um one of the questions that was actually submitted was about um what's the best way for your husband to prepare his toddler for leaving um i just want to encourage you guys out there um you know when i went overseas and i visited some of the troops it was around this time of year at christmas and um I expected them to be really down and a lot of them were having a great time on deployment, which was so good for me to see and understand why there's excitement for leaving. Mm-hmm. But some of them were like, they were excited. And then they kind of went into this, you know, but I'm, I'm missing out on, on my daughter's life or my toddler, or I'm missing these little key things. And they were worried about like, are they going to forget me? Or how do you like make sense of this for a small child? And I just want to, this is what I said to them. It was actually on a ship out in the Persian Gulf where I was having this conversation in the D, DFAC no. uh, of the ship. They would call it DFAC. What is it? Not, I forgot it, what oh, it is no. now. Anyways, really Navy, nice. Marcy, you're on the Navy, I think. So let me, what, what is, is what the is Navy? The, what is the dining facility dining. on a naval ship called? I, I, as soon as she and I said it, ship, I, I didn't say boat. So <laughs> like, I should get some mess hall. Mess hall. Yes, galley. Thank you. Even. Galley. Okay. There we go. So I'm so glad you guys All are right. paying attention. So this is the test. Galley is better. Okay. This is where I'm sitting. I was in the galley. I was having a conversation with these two guys. And here's what I so I told them. I said, you know what? Our kids were five and two for the first deployment. The second deployment, they were a couple years older than that. So we're talking about as close to eight years old was our oldest. And um, now they're 16 and 13 and they do not remember the deployment. They do not. And that doesn't mean that they don't remember. I mean, I was home a lot. I was, I was home. 
otherwise. But they, we did all of those recordings. We did like yeah. Skype calls at the time. We did um, where you, they could hear your voice. You read mm-hmm. through like a chapter book for them at the time. So each night we could play a chapter. Mm-hmm. Like we did some of those things. They don't look back on that time as like a time when their lives were destroyed mm-hmm. or that they are fully aware that Matt was present in their life somehow mm-hmm. throughout that time. And most of these kids, their memories are going to be of like the pictures that you share. Like mm-hmm. all the time, our teenagers are like, can we see some of our pictures from when we were like smaller? Uh-huh. And that's how their memories stir up. Like, oh yeah, I remember that playground or, oh yeah, I remember when we played that game. And it's mm-hmm. because we showed them a video of them playing that game. Right. Uh-huh. So I just want to encourage you guys that um, maybe we need to be careful, especially I'm just going to speak to the women here for a second. We need to be careful to not take our brain, our adult brain and like superimpose it into our child's Mm -hmm. head as if they're feeling all the things that we're feeling. We're not only, you know, trying to imagine what it's going to be like with them being gone, which by the way, I don't think anybody can really process Mm -hmm. what it's like to be gone for any length of time like that and how, and anticipate what you're going to go through. Mm -hmm. That's hard enough as an adult, but we need to remember our kids aren't feeling the same things. They're not thinking the same things. And we um, can be careful to not ask leading questions and like implant worries and plant concerns and plant things that they may not even be thinking yet. Uh. Right. So just remember that, you know, I had, I had mentoring spouses that said this to me, I'm going to say it to you. Your kids are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Your kid, and I have to have somebody still saying that to me, but your kids are going to be okay. It's do the best that you can mentor them through this frame it as best as you can mm-hmm. make a mission for yourselves. Get excited about something. We'll be covering that in November. Um, get excited about something together. Mm-hmm. Um, but about face, just like your serving spouses is you know, going on that mission about Mm -hmm. face and getting excited. We need to get excited with our kids about something Mm -hmm. too. And that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember the adventures you took them on, the conversations that were really hard, those nights when they were scared and you made room for them, those nights when you were like, no, now you have to go back into your own bed. We got to push through it. They're going to remember all of those growth moments as a good thing. The nights when you were like, nope, cereal. Cereal. Yeah. Let me just tell you, I had that was another, um, another mentor said to me on some of those really, really challenging nights. You don't have to be a perfect parent every night. And there's no such thing as being both mom and dad at the same time. No, there just isn't. There just isn't. So let's cover in the time that we have left with you guys. Um, let's cover some of the questions that you guys have submitted. Um, if we did not see your question in the chat, you guys have been chatting so well throughout the evening. I'm sure I missed something and Laura, um, be sure to be tracking if I'm missing something too, but I'm just going to go through some of the questions that have come up and then we'll kind of wrap up tonight with, um, a few, uh, if there's anything else that we're going to mm-hmm. proactively try to do before he goes on how we can stay connected as a family and maybe um, set the stage a little bit for maybe what we would like to try to do while you're gone to stay Mm -hmm. connected. Um, And then we'll be revisiting that um, throughout the series. So some of this, we kind of have already covered a little bit. Um, How can we make anything else on this, Matt? How can we make the um, serving spouse more comfortable when they have guilt? Is there anything else that you would say about that? (laughs) Especially well, considering everybody expresses it in different ways. They have guilt for leaving. I, that's the way I'm reading it. And you guys can correct me if you want him to be more specific on that. I mean, this is a really good time to ask him questions. People are all the time like, how about this? How about, I'd like to reframe it. Mm-hmm. Let's not work at making the service member feel more comfortable, but let's work at um, maybe even just understanding it. Mm-hmm. hearing it and allowing for it to kind of be there and to assist them in processing it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not your responsibility to make me feel something. Yeah. Um, and so I need to take ownership, but I've also got to process. What do I feel guilty for? Mm-hmm. And as I begin to process that out leaving. loud, like right, they right. feel bad that they're leaving. Yeah, I mean, you feel bad that you're leaving. Um, but here's the thing you're split. You feel bad for your, that you're leaving, but you're also looking at it going, wow, for this next amount of time, I don't have to decide what's for dinner. (laughs) Like, and that's great. 
Like I'm so excited to just show up between five and six and I get a meal and then I leave or I'm going to get some great gym time. So Mm -hmm. you kind of, there's the guilt of leaving. And then there's also the guilt of this is going to be a little bit easier for me in some ways. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so there's the ability to is there just guilt on process. That? Nope. <laughs> no guilt at all. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. No guilt that I'm sorry. I'm not going to have that education. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. This is how not to do it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that that's, um, yeah. I mean, they, the service member needs to process that yeah. and to understand it. But so much of life is just living in the tension of an uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. And and to be okay with that, I mean, we can't all we can't take all uncomfortable feelings away. We can't try and only have a life of comfortability. Um, we're gonna, have, I mean, geez, even just trying to go get groceries and then one person's not wearing their mask and you just gotta gotta live with it. Yeah, and so, so I also so what I one of the things that I'm hearing you say, and I see these questions that are yeah. coming in, they're great. Um, and I'm gonna answer them. Um, one of the things that I'm hearing you say is on one hand, I don't need to necessarily manage your feelings. Right. That the cert, that both of us need to be able to own our feelings and express them yeah. in a way that's healthy as, as best yeah. as we can. Um, and that I I'm also kind of t- the takeaway for me tonight is that I need to to definitely not expect for you to be on that white horse as if like you shouldn't have feelings at all, but yeah. that it's also okay for you to have those feelings yeah. because he is leaving. And here's the thing. Yeah. It goes back to a phrase. Make it count. Yeah. Look, if I feel guilty about leaving, then I'm going to make that much more. I'm going to make it count towards like to everything. I mean, that that's why I go all in towards um, self-improvement on a deployment as much as possible. Um, Whether that is professionally, that is definitely professionally. That's definitely personally. That's making every moment, seizing every moment and making it count. So if I feel guilty about being gone, I should use that to spur me on into productivity. Well, and we also have used that phrase specifically for if we have to spend this time apart, then we're not going to waste this time either. We're going to make it count for our relationship. Like I'm not going to wait until he gets home to work on our relationship again. Like making it count also applies to how are we engaging this and and maybe working on some areas of our life that are really difficult for us to work on, or maybe we haven't had the time to Mm -hmm. work on, or we've kind of been setting it off to the side for a little bit. Um, so there was going to be some areas that are maybe easier areas of growth and also maybe taking a look at some of those, they're more challenging to grow in, but it needs to count if we're going to spend this time apart. And so one of the things we talked about was we were going to work on, um, like going back to that writing, like just kind of that verbal expression that when you're, especially when your kids are older, you're like, I'm a taxi driver all day and Mm -hmm. I'm rushing around and like passing like ships in the night. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of slowing down our Mm -hmm. conversation a little bit and writing to each other. And, and working on that kind of communication is yeah. one of the things we said we could use this time to work on that. Yeah. So, um, so I think you answered that great. Okay. okay. Sure. Thanks. One of the questions is, which I know exactly how this feels. How do you deal with things when there's been so much tension and build up, and then the date changes, um, and then you have to go through it all over again? So, I mean, we are so used to like PCS date changes. We have a phrase, uh, it can all change in a lunch hour. We do. And so um, it is hard to embrace the, uh, and you're low on adaptability. I am. um, Which is fascinating that you've survived this long. I know. Big changes really stress me out. So those of you guys who've, um, who asked that question or were thinking about that, um, that kind of, um, that kind of happened with us where he was going to leave on one date and I had organized my calendar where I'd have some time off with him before he left. And then I would have some time off after he left to kind of like figure out my routine, kind of give myself a couple days, um, to be with the kids or whatever. And then the date changed. And now he's leaving like right like when I'm gonna be back at work and I can't change a few things and so there's gonna be um some stress with that and there's a lot of adaptability of like I'm gonna do the best that I can through mm-hmm. that and so it is really really stressful it's very stressful to have to go through it all again and I think number one I would just say um to acknowledge that that's a big deal mm-hmm. acknowledge that that's rocking our world just a little bit mm-hmm. and that that's not the way that we would have handled it it's it does throw everybody off it delays 
delays things. I mean, we've kind of all been going through that in different ways with COVID even mm-hmm. this year of like, we really were ready for it to end. And then it didn't, we were really ready for school to start. And then it was delayed. And we've been through that a lot this year. So maybe lowering the expectations and giving ourselves a little bit of grace mm-hmm. that we may not have a lot of reserve to pull from. Yeah. So when that happens, like just anticipate, at least I'm mm-hmm. having to anticipate that uh, I'm not handling that great, but I'm just going to do the best that I can to um, communicate that to you yeah. and then work through it together. So I think casting, you casting yeah. vision makes a huge difference in my life when you're like, it's okay. Here's what we're going to do. Which is I'm what I'm about to do right now. Go. So if it gets pushed to the right and it's like two months later, then pause. What did you do? You know, what were the two months leading to the original date? And would you have changed anything? How differently would you would you act? And you can you pause, put a pin in it and go, okay, all right, cool. Last two months, X, Y, and Z, let's kind of, we would say AAR this. And um, was there anything that we wish we would have changed? Like in the way that we acted, did we put too much stress on ourselves? Were we too tense about it? Were we too looking forward to it? You know, were we, oh, you know, were we like way too intense? Were we way too distant? Okay, now we get a golden do-over. We get yeah. two more months to kind of do it all over again and see if there's anything we would change. If it gets pushed to the left and you're like, oh no, this is sooner. A lot of people yeah. say it's better. Yeah. And you're like, all right, cool. Rip the band-aid. Let's go. Let's yeah. get it over with. Pack the bags. Then Let's we move. can cast vision on the other side. Yeah. We can cast and we can go, all right, we're gonna make it count. Now we can get our bearings, which is what yep. we're gonna cover in November. So that's how I would answer that. Yeah. Real quick answer to the question about if you're looking for a counselor or therapist, where to begin. I'm gonna try to answer answer this really, um, quickly. Cause I know I'm going to probably address this throughout the series. So, um, this is what I would say on that. Number one, um, TRICARE is um, for beneficiaries. So for spouses and dependents, you do not need a referral from your primary care manager to go get counseling. All right. If you're a service member, you need a referral to get outside to a TRICARE provider. But I will say the TRICARE sites of the list of counselors are very sparse. And the reason for that is TRICARE doesn't pay really well. And mm-hmm. so a lot of counselors, including myself, have gone out of network. That doesn't mean you necessarily pay more. It just mm-hmm. means I I'm going to, I've made an agreement with TRICARE that's different. And so it just means that TRICARE is not advertising Mm -hmm. where my office is to you. I have to do that advertising to myself. So that means it's still covered. I'm going to, a lot of out of network still file the claims for you. It's just like if they were in network. So um, my favorite place, because I'm hugely passionate about this topic in particular, um, is I created the Life Giver directory. It's on my website. Um, It is a directory full of clinicians globally. We have over 200 clinicians already. Most of them are military spouses or veterans themselves that um, are qualified and are culturally competent to work with you. So you can look in the Life Giver directory. Some of them are private pay. Some of them are out of network. Some of them are TRICARE, but you can specifically put in the search box exactly what you're looking for. That's a great place for you to go and search the Life Giver directory. You can go to the TRICARE websites. Military OneSource is an okay place place for you to go as well. I will say um, you get limited number of sessions and it can't be for things that are um, moderate to severe issues that are going on. There are also a caveat on that with, with military one source, they offer a whole lot more programs than just counseling. Absolutely. And especially when we're talking about personal development during this process. So there's so many things that they actually provide that I didn't even know about. So I know that's kind of the classic answer is like military one source, right? But there are some, did you know that they actually will help you with your fitness and nutrition goals? There's a coach that will help you with that. So there's there's parenting advice there too. The USO also has a whole bunch of programs. They have their mm-hmm. coffee connections. There's Brittany that's doing discovering your spark to help you find your purpose and identity. Those of you who are trying to figure out how do I about face and work on myself, mm-hmm. that's a really great thing for you to do as well. So um, think about it as a um, holistic approach. Don't be afraid to get that counseling and don't worry about that stigma of, of confidentiality. It's not going to ruin mm-hmm. your service member's career and it's um and it's confidential. I am a tricare provider. Um the only thing that I can report is abuse and neglect and every clinician has to do that. And I'm not going to report that to a commander, okay? I'm going to report that to whoever I need to in order to keep you guys safe and I'm going to have a conversation with you about it. I'm not going to go behind your back. Okay? 
So um, other questions before we run out of time, I want to make sure that we get into um, just know there's, and we can maybe talk about this in a future series of, if you want me to break down a little bit better, the mental health side of things and where to go and what to look for, we can do that maybe in another series. November might be a good chance to do that when I'm <laughs> feeling all my feelings. Um, a couple of other questions that came in. Um, let's see. Is it normal? This kind of gets, let me make sure there's not one that's better suited for November. And it's lovely. I mean, um, okay. Um, we covered the toddler one. Um, let's see if this, somebody wrote in that they've had many, many deployments. How do you navigate the new stress of COVID and being a single mom trying to do this separate? Like I, there's so, here's what I want to say. Those of you who are experiencing family apart, um, again, tonight is more so about the tension before you go, but I do just want to just really quickly encourage those of you who are already apart right now that, um, everybody is kind of not doing awesome yeah. right now, everybody. And so everybody's coping skills are kind of been um, maxed out. And I just want to validate those of you who are really struggling right now to reach out and get the help that you need. I can't tell you how many spouses I'm not taking new clients right now, but I can't tell you how many um, I've had that have reached out that just need the support during this year mm -hmm. that just need a counselor to vent to that just need a place to go. I'm having a really rough time. I'm feeling isolated with my newborn um, and I don't have my support network established yet, or I'm struggling with this tension before I go. How do I like get all of my ugly stuff out first? And then how do I find better words to take to my marriage? Marriage. Uh, There's lots of really great things that you can do for counseling to help you guys find that support that you need. And I would also say, be incredibly graceful with yourself and your expectations on yourself. Uh, there are different seasons. Some seasons you're really just surviving. Um, you don't feel like you're thriving. You're just doing kind of the day-to-day -day thing. And so you need to do those, those key things that give you a little bit of a rhythm and a pattern to life that, that help you know that days are passing and changing. And with young kids, that can kind of be difficult. Uh, the second thing is, is always be aware of what you're allowing into your, into your mind, um, what you're processing. And whether that is negativity that can be found on through many different talking heads on any given station, uh, or whether that is... Um, subject matter or media that's going to make you feel um, less than or like you're missing out or uh, any anything that it leaves you with a negative feeling. Um, so just be aware of what you're bringing in and kind of how you're populating your mind and also what you're expecting of yourself. So be graceful and be, be generous to yourself and, uh, and take it. Sometimes you're just taking it one day at a time as you just kind of put one foot in front of the other, walking out of the, um, the difficult season that we're all in. So, um, there's a couple more that I want to make sure that we get to. Um, okay. So I see, let's see. Um, Shawnee says I'm on session on counseling in a sense of how to make it productive. I think sometimes it's hard to figure out which foot to start with. Mm. So I'm just going to say, um, the, the, I always encourage my clients, um, is even those that I'm referring out to somebody else when I'm saying, Hey, when you go see that clinician, the best thing that you can do is go just like in a relationship, right? We're teaching you guys how to be assertive and actually ask for mm -hmm. what you need and be very clear. Right. So going into even counseling mm -hmm. the same way that we're encouraging you to go to your marriage and say, um, here's what I need from counseling. Here's what I'm actually looking for from you. There was, um, I usually go to a counselor about every other assignment. I'll try to find a, a counselor to go to just to do healthy checkups for me. And I remember I went into one counselor that during that season of my life, I just needed like a maternal grandmotherly kind of support. And I went into that first session and I said, you know what I think that I need is I really just need you to let me come in and get all of my stuff out all the stress that I'm going through, maybe all the ugly stuff out there. And then I need your mentoring. I need you to put that mentoring hat on and just tell me whether I'm crazy or tell me whether I can like make some improvements. And I need you to challenge me. I asked her specifically, if there's something, don't like wait mm -hmm. for me to like figure it out by myself. If you need to challenge me, I'm welcoming that. And that set the tone for our relationship. Mm -hmm. There's been other counselors that we've gone to that we were like, we just need to like have a place to just say a bunch of stuff out loud. And you yeah. may not even need to be in the room, right? Yeah. So just go in there and be able to... And then 
course correct as you need to Mm -hmm. go in there and say, okay, now I think I'm done with that. Now Mm -hmm. I need this. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, this is all about finding your place in the middle of that spectrum and being as balanced as you can to be honest and and open, but Mm -hmm. also ask for what you need. So there's a couple of other questions that I'm, um, they're giving me a couple of extra minutes before they come in and close out that I want to get to before we close out tonight. Again, this is a monthly series. So we're going to address these more if we don't answer them tonight. Um, one of them is, is it normal to not want to see pictures or things that remind you of your loved ones so that you're not constantly thinking of them? So again, I would answer this, um, with kind of on, on the extreme spectrum thing, right. Mm -hmm. Again, and finding yourself as much as possible in the middle. Um, you know, it's very normal when you're spending time apart to have these little things that like you'll leave around, he'll leave around the house. And I won't know until after he's gone, right? There's going to be something that he leaves behind that I'm like, I'm just not going to touch that. It's going to stay there for the whole duration of while he's gone. And other people that come into the house, like for the first deployment, it was a boot that he left behind that I used as a doorstop, yeah. you know, whenever I was working out in the garage. And I, I didn't remember, intentionally leave it behind. It I didn't need it, but it was uh... for other people. Some people said it was a random granola bar wrapper that somebody left that somebody else thought was trash and they about lost their mind when somebody threw it away because you find yourself attached to things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there is some level of that that's healthy. Like, do I need to like leave, have him like never wash any of the dirty socks that are left over? No. Right. So it's like, where do we find, he's like, are you going to do laundry? I'm I'm not the one with a laundry problem here. I'm not, let's just be honest. (laughs) I'm using it as an example, but maybe just think about that on the extreme and in some ways, And everybody lands in a different place on the spectrum, right? Of that like extreme, how much do you need to stay connected? Some of you need the practice of looking at that and not allowing too much disconnect to happen, right? Allowing yourself to actually look at that photo and allow those feelings to come up. We'll get into intimacy later, but Mm -hmm. there is a thing that's called skin hunger that when Mm -hmm. you've not had that physical contact of even just appropriate hugs from your spouse, Mm -hmm. that your skin will start to crawl. And so it's known that for women, your libidos will go down the longer it's been since you've had sex. Mm -hmm. And then for men, it's, it's the, if you, the longer that you've gone without it, that that desire increases. And so we're not going to get into that as much tonight, but for those of you who are allowing too much disconnect to be there, it is going to be important for you to really focus Mm -hmm. on that picture and allow yourself to miss that person. But if you're on the other extreme and you're just really getting stuck there, we need to, we need to sometimes put it down and go do other things that are productive and go after those goals. I'll just wrap it up with this and we won't go into answering it extensively, but I think it's a good way to wrap up. And it's why I saved it for last Laura. And that is, um, cause some people were asking whether they're a new couple or whether they're going into a geo batch situation, how, what are those tips for being able to stay connected? And so I think as a way to just kind of close up, um, I think that number one, I would just say, and this is what we're going to try to do is have a common goal that you're working on. No matter how long you've been married and no longer how, no matter how long the separation is going to be, have a common goal that you work on together, whether it's a project or a goal that you're doing individually mm-hmm. and together. And number two, communicate and do your best that you can to check in as you go. Yeah. Anything else you'd add? Nope. We'll expand on that more in the series, which is why I'm so excited that this is a series that we will come back to. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for how interactive you guys were, for the questions that you guys submitted. There's going to be more as we go along. Um, I hope you guys had a really good time and I hope that it was relevant. And I hope that at least us opening up Mm -hmm. um, gives you a little bit more permission to maybe feel like your feelings are validated too and that it meant something for you tonight. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.